Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome. Welcome to Warriors Wrap Up. And Bob Curry takes another three. It's up and good. He's got 62. On 95.7, it's a game. Pass to Wiseman off the pick and he flies in for a dunk. Jam. Oh, by Oubre. He caught it right at the restricted area and slammed it home with a left hand. Here's John Dickinson and Ryan Covey. Eric Pascoe back on the floor for Golden State. Throws the ball into Manion. Bounce pass to JTA. Turns and finds Poole. Poole off the screen. Backs up. Open for a three over Gabriel. Knocked it down. New career high for Jordan Poole. He's got 29. Yeah, and Jordan Poole would go on to score 38, setting that new career high. Michael Mulder equaled uh, his career high tying seven threes and he reached a new career high with 28 as well. Juan Toscano Anderson flirted with a triple double. Eric Paschal got to test things out and the Warriors got a win after uh, letting a big lead get away. They fell behind but did enough to eke out a victory over the Pelicans 125 to 122 at Chase Center. So the Dubs Covey have won five in a row. 24 and 11 now at home with the one game to go on Sunday and 14 and 5 since April the 10th, all in all for a glorified preseason game in May. Uh, I think it checked a lot of boxes, avoided injury disaster on the Jordan Poole front. Uh, it was a, for the most part, watchable uh, and and I think well-played game by, by the Warriors and, and a couple of career nights for uh, a couple of guys that could put the ball in the basket. Yeah, pooler than the other side of the pillow, J.D., was Jordan tonight. And look, it was... Kind of classic Warriors, right? I mean, even though it was the reserves, it was kind of the same old story that we've seen lately. Warriors seemingly in control, everything going well, and then what a almost a five minute scoreless stretch down the stretch uh, for this team. But ultimately, you know, Pascal got that big tip in, and then Poole got the layup, a little bit of defense. Love that last sequence too, um, where they saved the ball from going out of bounds. Everybody gathering around Baysmore. Uh, just really cool. And then, how about the, the the play where after that they hurry up to inbound because the Pels are just standing there. I mean, I know the game didn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's that kind of attention to detail. Like, I don't know. That just that shows me that guys are paying attention. It shows me that they're committed to winning. It shows me that these guys that were, were getting meaningful minutes tonight and played a big role uh, took this serious. So uh, it was good to see. And just keeping this vibe going, too. I mean, 38 and 33, five games over 500. The worst this team's going to finish now is four games over 500. And if you handle your business against Memphis on Sunday, you're going to be six games over 500 and end the season winning all six of that final six-game homestand. It's got a nice ring to it, John Dickinson. 
Yeah, and I, I just look at it from the context of the guys that played bigger roles tonight that we know are going to have to play big roles on Sunday played well. And, and yeah. you know, it's 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 the two guys that had the career highs, and, and Jordan Poole looked very comfortable out there. I mean, this had you – know, you can see why in a game like tonight why Jordan Poole went down to the G League bubble and dominated because tonight was basically it – was, it was kind of that kind of game, right? I mean, it was a lot of reserve players both ways, and he can level up and dominate that level of competition, and he really did tonight from a, a scoring standpoint. Uh, also had six assists, uh, and, you know, he's a guy you want to see stay in rhythm – for a game on Sunday because the Warriors are going to need him. And, man, talk about averting disaster on that left ankle Ooh. tweak. That looked bad. Like, that looked like, oh, boy, he might not be able to play uh, on, on Sunday, you know, from the jump because we're talking 40 hours from tip-off at the point uh, in which that happens. But to see him be able to come back in the game, knock down a couple of threes, and then wind up, you know, going and setting a new career high, that's a very, very good sign. And then uh, you know, Michael Mulder has been one of the eight in that rotation. The Warriors are going to need him to play a key role and knock down some shots on Sunday. So for him to go for seven three-pointers, uh, excellent there. He stays in rhythm. And then Juan Toscano-Anderson, we were uh, talking about it in the pregame with the, I know all your wagers hit and my wild card <laughs> wager. It didn't hit because he didn't get the triple-double, but nine, nine, and nine. I think you can't bet flirt with a triple-double but I think the first thing that popped in my head was flirt with a triple-double. That's exactly what he did. So the three that the Warriors are going to need with the rest of the big boys on Sunday all played well tonight. So that cannot uh, you know, be looked at as anything other than a, a tremendous positive for tonight. Big time. And you know, how this applies to the rotation next year. We got all summer to diagnose that. Uh, clearly Jordan Poole's shown us he can score in the NBA. Uh, and if his three's fallen and, and he's in a good rhythm, he's a dangerous scorer. There's no doubt. And I did a little homework, J.D. You'd be so proud of me uh, because I, I know we always like to, to try and, you know, quantify how things stack up. What does it mean, this particular performance? Like Jordan Poole scoring 38 tonight. 58 guys in the NBA this year, 58 different guys scored at least 38 points in a game. You do the math, that's basically on average two guys per team. That's a pretty small number of NBA players uh, that have done that this particular season. So, you know, just just that alone tells you that Jordan Poole, from a scoring standpoint, he's, he's special. Like, he can do a lot of things that a lot of dudes in the NBA simply can't. So that that's a pretty cool little thing. I mean, there's just how many guys are going to play their whole career and never hit for 30? I mean, Jordan Poole dropping 38 tonight. So if there ever comes a day where they're going to need to rely on Poole to play more meaningful minutes, uh, at least he showed from a scoring standpoint he can hold up. Now, the other stuff, you know, it, it, he's still a work in progress. I think we all know that. And there's times he, it can look a little rough, but – the, the name of the game is, you know, to, to put the ball in the hoop. Like, that's that's kind of the purpose. So, um, I, and I just like Poole's growth this year, uh, and he's gotten a lot more confident. And then Mulder, too, like you said, like, he's going to be one of the eight for sure. Uh, and if he's knocking down his threes, he's a very valuable piece and, and could flip a game. Michael Mulder messes around, you know, and hits seven threes in a playoff game. Warriors probably going to win that game, right? So, um, it's just a, another thing to feel good about and just this team, just finding it at the right time. If you're the Suns, you're the Jazz, you're the Lakers in that playing game. You ain't trying to see the Dubs right now. Dubs are rolling. Yeah, and different circumstances than than earlier in the season because I mean the Grizzlies. I'm sorry, the the Pelicans rather tonight. 
Uh, I mean, it was a it was a very very it was a Cancun Pelicans kind of a night in the first quarter, really. I mean, and and but the Warriors were came out and they they buttoned up and 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 they were they were ready to roll. But the Warriors also got a win without Stephen Curry for the second yeah. time in nine games. And and again, circumstances different, but yeah, who cares? I mean, the Warriors had only had one the entire season, so so to see you know Poole and Mulder. You know, be able to to hold this team up along with JTA, uh, even if uh, a lot of the headliners were out for the Pelicans as well. Uh, I think you know you, you take that as a, a box check, the thirty eight wins, and, and you move to Sunday where the Grizzlies and the Warriors are going to face each other for the eight seed. We'll run down between now and about ten forty uh, all of the scenarios uh, that are still left to go through in the Western Conference, uh, and we'll look ahead a little bit at the at the Warriors Grizzlies matchup as well. Uh, for Sunday as the Grizzlies did beat Sacramento and, and kind of a wild finish tonight in Memphis. The Grizzlies rested all of their regulars, still got a one-point win themselves uh, <laughs> over the Kings. So both teams will interplay on Sunday at Chase Center at 38-33 and 33, uh, with one game to go. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco and Odyssey Station. It's J.D. and Covey here. Warriors wrap up on a Friday night on 95.7 The Game as the Dubs get the win over the Pelicans, 125-122. to Let's get to a caller here, uh, 888-957-9570 to, to give us a call or shoot us a text. Mike and Sam Rafael is up first here tonight on Warriors Wrap Up. What's up, Mike? Good evening, gentlemen. Uh, just driving home from the game, and uh, I would say I enjoyed the scrimmage uh, very well, very much. It was a very entertaining scrimmage. Um, <laughs> it was. And what? Uh, yeah, it was. And the um, the uh, the thing that was good about it was uh, the scoring confidence that you know Mulder and uh, Poole got. Because I think as a, as we look forward, try to fast forward to the playoffs, which assuming we get past the play-in, you know that the teams are going to really focus on. Uh, double-teaming stuff, and those guys are going to have to step up. So to actually get some success scoring tonight, somebody has to score. You can rebound, you can play tough defense, but if nobody scores, we don't win. And I think that uh, that's what can make them very dangerous in the playoffs is the success of these other players because I think if you figure out a, uh, a four-game, you know, if it, I think it'll, they'll probably go if they make it deep. They'll probably go seven games every time because it's just they're not they're just not good enough to really wipe anybody out, right? But if they win two games with everybody else stepping up, with Box Steph being uh, double teamed, and then Steph has two games where he just goes off and scores 40, 50 points, and I think because I I think that might get him pretty far in the playoffs because I think they're a dangerous team. I don't think any team in, in the NBA can play good enough defense to like double team and shut them down four games. Um, mm. It just nobody's playing that great right now. If you look at the records, I mean, just look—we played the two best teams this Monday, Tuesday in the in the Western Conference. See what I mean? Sure. I mean, it's, it's a good point. They can't consistently do that. Yep. Thank, thanks for the call. Good call. I, I think it, it. Look, it depends on the matchup. Still, it depends on who's healthy and who's not. And uh, I, I was actually because I'm sick. Uh, I was watching the Utah Oklahoma City game uh, right after sick. we got off. Right, right after we got <laughs> off the air for Warriors Live, 
and I, I was watching the Utah feed just to kind of catch up on what's going on. I like to hear what the team broadcasters say about their team. And the Utah broadcast was saying that they're going to be able to up it to about 13,000 fans for the first round of the playoffs inside Salt Lake City. And I thought, boy, that that in a year where there hadn't been hardly anybody uh, anywhere, and I know the Warriors uh, wound up uh, with their 41-55 again tonight, which is what they've had these last three or, or four games. And I thought, man, that what, what an environment with 13. I think they can go all the way up to 75% capacity in the in the Delta the old Delta Center uh, for uh, for game uh, for for that first round of the uh, of the playoffs. So that's going to be a factor in this thing as well. But uh, you know, I I think Phoenix is gettable. I really do. I don't know about Utah, and I am a little reluctant to to look too deep into the Utah thing because Mitchell and Conley didn't play in that game on Monday. Yeah, for sure, and and that's obviously a huge game changer. And no, that's great knowledge though, JD, on the uh, the seating capacity because we already know that's a tough barn to play in anyway, um, and and that'll only you know make it tougher for the opposition. So um, no easy feat. Look, eight seeds, seven seeds—they're not supposed to beat one seeds and two seeds, and that's why it doesn't happen very often. But. I don't think this is your everyday eight seed. And and quite frankly, because this year has been so topsy-turvy just in general, honestly, I mean, Utah is a very good team. I don't mean to, to besmirch their credentials. They are a really good team. But they're not your typical, like, you know, just bona fide, you know, championship contender, no doubt. Like, there's still a ton of questions around Utah. They, they haven't ever done anything. Donovan Mitchell's still young. He's ascending. So... To me, it's it's still this is about as wide open as a one v eight could be. Um, you know, kind of a la Dallas and the Dubs back in the day. I know we don't want to go that we believe route, but it just I don't know. The Warriors are are a very unique eight seed for all the reasons that we've seen. Uh, and and again, I don't I don't think Utah or Phoenix for that matter, you know, can be rolling in there feeling like oh we're the team to beat because we're the one seed or the two seed. I mean, I don't I know the Warriors aren't going to win the title this year, JD. We could all understand that. But I think it realistically, there's about five teams in the West that feel like they have a legitimate chance to win the title because there is no runaway favorite. They're just a team that ended up with a few more wins than the others. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Warriors wrap up. John Dickinson, Ryan Covey here. Uh, on a Friday night, Warriors get the win over the Pelicans as they improve to 38-33 and with, with one game to go. Obviously, the Warriors still have to, to make it through Sunday to figure out where they're going to be and, it, 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 and then get through uh, the play-in tournament on some level, whatever their path winds up being, uh, whether it's the Lakers or the Blazers. The one thing we did learn tonight, the Mavericks are officially out of, of that. Uh, they've clinched a spot tonight. They've av- avoided the play-in tournament, and, and actually the Lakers can no longer catch uh, the Mavericks. Uh, they are immune. It's, so it's down to Portland or the Lakers for 6-7, and, and Portland still controls the inside track there. Uh, they host Denver on Sunday, and if they win that game or if the Lakers lose uh, one of their final two games, uh, they play in Indiana and they play the Pelicans uh, in their final two tomorrow and Sunday, uh, then Portland would move up to the six, and the Lakers would be locked into seven for sure. So we'll see how that shakes out. We'll see if the Warriors wind up playing you know, in that 7-8 game. We'll see uh, if the Warriors can't win for some reason uh, on Sunday. They'll, they'll have to you know, go beat San Antonio and then have to catch somebody else on the back end to get into the, the, the tournament that way as the eight seed. But uh, regardless, these next 
five, six, seven days are going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let me ask you this, J.D., Portland or the Lakers, if the Warriors are able to, to pull it out on Sunday, and it's kind of funny. I know I've been really guilty of this, talking like it's a done deal. Not only are the Warriors winning Sunday, but they're winning the playing tournament, and I already got them playing the Jazz in the first round. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it, if it is the Warriors in that eight spot, who would you rather face on Wednesday, Portland or L.A.? Oh, Portland, without a doubt. Yeah, w- without a doubt, Portland. Okay. I mean, the, the the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and their length uh, at, at, at the wing positions and their ability to defend, I, I know they, they haven't had you know time together and they're not in sync, but I, I think that's, a, that's still the most difficult matchup for, for the Warriors, without a doubt. I think Portland plays a, a pretty loose defensive game. Right. Uh, I, I think the, I think the Warriors are very comfortable playing uh, in Portland. Uh, you'd go back to the the one game that they played there right before the All Star break in, in in early March, and the Warriors played very well on that night and probably should have won the game. Uh, yep. and Damian Lillard went off down the stretch, and the Warriors failed to execute, and that was one of the games that that fell into that that slip away category. But no, we we've seen Steph in particular uh, and Draymond come up massive against Portland over the years in big games. I mean, the Warriors have flat out in in playoff games dominated the Blazers. Now, they've been competitive, and I think at times maybe we think that the the Blazers have beaten them more than they actually have because so many of the games have actually been good, but but the Warriors have overwhelmingly, I mean, they've won all of them, I think, with the exception of one. (laughs) If you go back through the years, like one game, like it's 13-1 and or something like that, the Warriors uh, in in those series, or maybe it's 12-1. and Uh, But uh, I I think, you know, the Warriors would be very comfortable. Portland is just, they, it's, it's just a totally different animal to, to play Portland versus LeBron and Anthony Davis and that defense. I would want Portland unequivocally. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, normally it would be a complete no-brainer. Obviously, the injuries to LeBron right now and AD, uh, and, and look, they still got a, a little bit of time here. I mean, that game isn't for five days. Um, but I, I do think the Lakers are going to end up in that seven seed. But what's interesting, though, is if you think about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, J.D., the game, the Portland-Denver game still matters for the Nuggets because couldn't they catch the Clippers still uh, and, it, and move up does. in the standings? Yeah, no, it does. In fact, those two flip-flop tonight. The Clippers had a weird deal tonight. They were playing in Houston, and they they basically decided, you know, kind of like we're pulling our guys mid-game and, and kind of tanked mid-game and, and just you know, went rest over trying to win, and the Rockets beat them tonight in Houston uh, for their 17th win. And so the Nuggets, uh, with their win, uh, they won in Detroit. So the Nuggets actually moved ahead of the Clippers. They're tied at 47-24. and 24. The Nuggets have the season series win uh, and the tiebreaker. So the Nuggets now control three. If they win in Portland, right, uh, on – They got to hold uh, them off now, basically. Yeah. Exactly. They, they or the Clippers could lose. But the Clippers are playing at Oklahoma City on Sunday. So in all likelihood – now they did just lose to Houston – <laughs> the Clippers that's, and they did they did some weird stuff. It, it was almost as if the Clippers so were saying we want Dallas because Dallas had moved up to fifth and and that's still not a lock. But it was it was or maybe the Clippers wanted to avoid any scenario where they could play the Lakers in the first round. If maybe the Lakers moved up to six because if the Clippers dropped to four, 
there's no way that obviously they would play the Lakers. If if the Lakers are six, they wouldn't play them. If the Lakers are seven, obviously they wouldn't play them. But if the Clippers are three and they controlled three, all the Clippers needed to get to three was a win over Houston tonight and a win over Oklahoma City on Sunday. That's all. And think about that. The two worst teams in the conference and the Clippers kind of punted and went and went rest mid game over you know, trying to lock that down. And the only real explanation is they wanted to assure themselves that they avoided the Lakers. That's that's so bizarre, too, for a, a bunch of different reasons. I mean, first of all, you know, with what happened to them in the playoffs last year and, you know, the fact that, I mean, that team was assembled to be, quote, some super team on the rise. I mean, you know, last year they get bumped. What was that, in the second round? This year you're the fourth seed? Like, I, I don't know. To me, the, the Kawhi to the Clippers thing, and, and again, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the playoffs, but – I don't think they're in a position where they can be discerning about who they play. For me, it would be about finishing the regular season, uh, you know, uh, on as high a note as possible, handling your business and saying it's up to other teams to beat us, not the other way around. But I don't know. I just the, the way that they handle stuff down there in L.A. Um, it's it's just bizarre, quite frankly, and it's just hard for me to believe. It's kind of like Brooklyn over in the East, where you know you haven't done anything. Yeah, on paper you look like you should be a juggernaut, uh, and you haven't actually won anything. Yet. Yet, but boy, we're we're just we're just counting that it's all going to come together at the right time. Oh, okay. I mean, honestly, twenty four losses for the Clippers this regular season that seems pretty disappointing. I mean, twenty one and fourteen on the road that team's way too talented to be in this position right now, where they're the freaking fourth seed. Yeah, and I, I I'll be honest, if I'm them, I would just take I'd just be three and and take my chances that it's not going to be the Lakers. And to me, if you're three. You you know you take your chances. You avoid L.A. You hope for that, but then you you wind up you know maybe you play Portland, who, who I think you know you'd you'd be favored and you'd have you'd be on the Phoenix side of the bracket. Although again, maybe they're thinking second round as well. If the Lakers are seven and the and the Clippers are three, then they'd play the they'd play the Lakers in the second round. So maybe didn't they maybe sweep they're the Lakers thinking though? about maybe they they're swept thinking the Lakers about this that. year, right? Uh, I you know what I I actually don't recall. Maybe they did. I think I, they I did. Look. I think they swept the Lakers this year. And I know you know because they beat them in the opening night, and then I know they maybe played them without LeBron and AD. But yeah, I don't know, just the, exactly. Yeah, just to be angling though, you know, to be comfortable moving down to angle to avoid a team. That's to me that's scared money. Like if that was their rationale, that's scared money. Or if it's just hey, we felt like we could rest our guys and still beat the Rockets. Well. Obviously, that blew up in your face, too. So whatever their rationale is, I don't like it. Bottom line. I just right now, this is the time of year where you need to be winning, hitting your groove. And that's not a big boy move. That's a scared money move. And I don't know, something like that. It, it rarely works out. Ask the Dallas Mavericks, you know, back in, uh, in the We Believe year. Well, it's the Clippers. I mean, it's, it's not exactly surprising. I mean, they got some, you know, even the way they, the way they kind of operate, you know, my take on Paul George and, you know, Ty yeah, Lue yeah. is you know, kind of, kind of weird on that, on the players coach front <laughs> and, and even yep. Kawhi, like for as great as Kawhi is, there is some, some low key, like doesn't always want to bring it to Kawhi Leonard. They're just flat out is like he kind he picks and chooses when it's time to lock in and, and when things matter to him. So I, I think there's an element of that. And look, when he's locked in, He's as good as anybody, <laughs> and he's healthy. He's as good as anybody. But there's a little of the selective when do when do I feel like it's time to go mode yeah. for Kawhi that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I think because he's quiet, he gets away with it. Like whereas guys that are more brash about it don't get away with it. And I you know I I think you know, Kawhi almost uses the quiet I'm a robot you know kind of thing 
to his advantage in that when, you know, low-key, he's kind of a diva, to be per- to be perfectly honest, and, and wants to pick and choose when it's time to play hard. Uh, I, let's get to I, you're some, right. Go ahead, brother. Go yeah. ahead, man. Uh, I'll let you finish, and then we'll get to a couple calls. No, I just no. I think you're absolutely right as far as him being a diva. I mean, everything we heard out of L.A. last year was, uh, you know, Kawhi was playing by a different set of rules. I mean, the, the the way he flexed bringing Paul George to L.A. So, bottom line, you mark my words. Clippers, they're not getting to the title. They're not getting to the championship this year, and I don't even think they'll make it to the conference finals. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson and Ryan Covey here on, on 95.7 The Game. Uh, let's get to Antonio in Oakland. Hey, Antonio. Oh, hey, what's up, J.D.? Hey, J.D., earlier I told you, uh, you know, Jordan Poole's going to get 40 points, and he actually got 38, <laughs> but I, I was a little off. But, um, but yeah, hey, I'm so, I'm so happy. I, I just love seeing wins, you know. Uh, Jordan Poole with the with his splashing. I'm gonna start calling him uh, Jordan Swimming Pool. You know, I mean, if he keeps it up, you know, he's looking like a decent pick at number 28. So we'll see how that goes. But like I said, who, whoever we play in the, uh, you know, playing playing Lakers or Portland, sure, you know, you don't want to face, you know, Lakers with their, um, you know, super team with Anthony Davis and LeBron and stuff, Schrader. You know, Portland, they, they have they have about four guys who can create their own shot. I don't know if you want to face that either. You know, the Warriors have had success against them, but. I mean, I kind of want the Lakers just so the from a NorCal SoCal rivalry standpoint. But you know, was it better from a team standpoint? Obviously, Portland. So whoever we get, I'm rocking with the Warriors. I think we're gonna win every game. You guys know how I speak on these airwaves. You know that I'm optimistic as ever. Capital O for Oakland. Tell me, optimistic. Appreciate it. Thanks, Antonio. Appreciate the call. Uh, let, let's get to Priest and Palo Alto, and, and then we can tie off this Clippers conversation, too, because I've got a few more details on that. Uh, what's up, Priest? Hey, thanks for taking my call, fellas. And, and I'm so excited about these young guys, these young guns, seeing these young fellas do their thing. Um, getting them some, if they get through the play-in and get to the playoffs, I think it's going to bode well for them. I just, you know, my fear is, I'm, you know, I've been a a, a, a long game uh, type dude waiting until next year to see when the Splash Brothers is back together. But I'm excited about Poole. This kid, Mulder. And I, they're young players, man. I, that's all I've been watching all year long. My focus has been on them and what we may have available for next year to help the Splash Brothers get back on the road to greatness. And so the pool is legit to me. There's no doubt in my mind about him. And I like Mulder. JTA looks good. Looney goes without saying. Uh, We'll see about Pascal. You know what I mean? But everybody's been talking about how these kids can't be a bench for next year. And I beg to differ. This ain't the G League. They're doing this, too. This is the National Basketball Association. These kids, a couple of them is legit, legit. I'm excited. Thanks, Priest. Appreciate the call. Uh, I I think jury's still out on on all of that as far as next year goes, but this is the team right now, and and these guys are helping this group right now. Uh, I, I think you're still... If you just say you're going to pencil, I know we got into this last night on the final word. If you're just going to pencil these guys in for next year and say you're done, I mean, we've seen how much, Steph, how hard Steph Curry's had to work, you know, and how and what he's had to do 
with, with this group. Like, I, I just don't I, – I can't get there. Like, I, there, there isn't anything that I'm going to see – from these guys, you know, Jordan Poole, 38 tonight. I mean, tonight was basically a G League game. That's awesome. It was. Like, he's, he, yeah. he could score, but we've seen him do that in the G League before, and he did it, you know, essentially tonight. Like, t- so tonight doesn't tell me that he's a rotation piece for next year. He goes and balls out in, in the play-ins and in the playoffs. Uh, if the Warriors get in a series, you know, then it, you know, it comes back to camp next year and he's a little bit better and he earns that. He's going to have to re-earn that spot, you know, at the beginning of next year. Uh, but to me, you can't just rest on your laurels and rest on what you have. We'll see about Mulder. Again, it's working now, but he's, you know, he's not somebody I'd pencil in. The one guy that I do think you can kind of pencil in, and we've talked about this, is, is JTA. And again, I'm not saying he's going to have as big a role next year as he's at now, but I think he's somebody that could have more of a consistent role from the jump just based on on his specific skill set. But fans are excited. I get it. Fans are fired up. Uh, you know, fans want to, you know, okay, pencil them all in, bring them all back. You know, you know we, we've seen, though, what it looks like over the long haul with, with this group. Yeah, you, look, you, you still need at least, like, and, and either a Kelly Oubre or a Kelly Oubre comp replacement, and then I think another, you know, front court score and probably even one more uh, scoring wing. And then you plug in the rest of these guys. I agree. I mean, we, we're we on the same page, J.D. It's just, I, I think it's, it's these guys have shown that they can, they can be contributors uh, and, and they can do the job. Now, to what degree, uh, you know, of a championship caliber team, what role would they play? In an ideal world, you know, Jordan Poole would be your your eighth guy, you know, something like that, where you've got a bunch of guys that you would fancy ahead of them because you're just that good. That's where you hope to get. But in the meantime, it sure is better than Jordan Poole not looking like he belongs and Michael Mulder not looking like he could do the job. What this bench group, and we're talking about those three in particular, what they've shown the last couple of weeks is they can step in and fill a role if need be. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think, and that's a, that's a good sign. Let, let's get Michael in here. Michael in Oakland is up next. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, man? I was, thanks for uh, taking my call. Love the show. Uh, I, I just wanted to uh, just pose two two uh, objections or pushbacks uh, to to the JD theory. One, I think that the Lakers are the team to beat, no matter what number they sit. Like that's the team you want to avoid. So I understand the Clippers. Uh, apart from that, I think the Dubs could beat and can even beat the Lakers, but. That's the one thing that I, I I definitely push back and say. I think that the Dubs have a really good chance with anybody else, and they still have a chance with the Lakers, but that's just a juggernaut. With, I mean, if those guys are healthy, they got to be the team to beat in the West. Yeah, well, I actually agree with that, Michael. I, I and I've that, that's why I don't think the Warriors. That's why I don't think you want yeah. the Warriors to play them in the playing tournament because you'd be yeah. knocked to the second game right off the top. And and I've said this a couple of times this week. If the Lakers play Phoenix, if the Lakers. When, if, if the Lakers are seven and Phoenix is two and they play in a series, the Lakers are winning that series. Like it's just like the late like the and, and it's going to suck for the Suns who have had a really nice year, their best year in a decade plus, and they're going to go home in the first round and it's basically going to all go for naught. Like that. That's what I think of the Lakers if they're healthy. Uh, as far as the rest of it, I mean, we'll see. I I think you know to me, if you're the Warriors, you want to somehow get Phoenix. I think Utah is going to be. I think Utah is better than they're getting credit for, and that's not to say the Warriors can't compete against them. Hell, they won two out of three against them. They played a great. I think the March game was even more impressive than the the game this week that when the yeah. Warriors beat them because they had their guys. 
uh, in that game. So, uh, but that being said, I think that's going to be a, a tough task. I, I wanted to tie off this this Clippers thing. So right out of the jump today, uh, the Clippers didn't play Paul George or Kawhi tonight in Houston at the start. They didn't play Patrick Beverly at the start, all sitting out uh, going into it. And then as the game went on, uh, and, and Ty Lue was quoted after the game saying, we've got a lot of decisions to make. The most important thing is health. So they rested those guys. And then as the game was going on, they were pulling – like it was basically like a baseball game where you play the guys you have for about five innings and then that's it. So as the game went on, they just went deeper and deeper in their bench and the, and the Rockets wound up beating them. Yeah, I, it's just – it's crazy to me. Like – and, you know – it. Uh, like the Clippers, uh, the, first of all, everybody had the layoff before the bubble, right? Missed some time. And I know the Clippers played in the bubble, but they were bounced by the second round. So it's not like, you know, they played as deep into the uh, into the summer as the Lakers did. You know, the other teams that were, you know, playing deeper in the conference finals and obviously into the NBA finals. This uh, And then, like, you know, Paul George. Like this idea that Paul George – Paul George isn't 36 years old. It's not like Paul George has got all these playoff miles on his odometer. Even Kawhi, for that matter. Kawhi's missed a lot of time uh you know throughout his career and I mean you look up like it's a 72 game season Kawhi's played 52 games Paul George has played 54 uh Morris has played 42 I mean Zubac has been their most uh, consistent player he's played 70 of their games I mean these guys they they all miss a ton of time so it's like last year what was clear by the time they got to the playoffs to us well they never they never quite got it together in time to gel and I would argue that they still haven't checked that box this year. And then, you know, with some of the turnover on the team this year, trading away Lou or you know, trading away uh Lou and and you know, Beverly missed time. Like it just it just still hasn't clicked for me with uh with the Clippers. And until they can put together a sustained run and they get by because they're a talented group, there's no doubt. And you know, when these guys do play, we've seen them. I mean, they can be really dangerous, but they're just not consistent enough. And I just I don't think you just roll into the playoffs and all of a sudden flip that switch. Now the Lakers, that's a different deal because that's LeBron. And LeBron has proven uh, as long as he's up for it and it matters to him, you're in trouble if you're in a playoff series. So that he's got the uh, you know the, the sponsors exemption for me, basically for life. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the Clippers they just don't have it like that. So, I, like I said, you mark my words. Second round, they're out. They're not even going to the conference finals. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. He's Ryan Covey. I'm John Dickinson. We'll come back. We'll hear from Steve Kerr uh, on what the plan is going to be for the Warriors between now and Sunday afternoon. We'll also hear from Steve Kerr on Jordan Poole and from Jordan Poole himself. And then we'll run down the scenarios still in play in the Western Conference. Uh, and uh, that's all coming up here. It's Warriors wrap-up. Dubs beat the Pelicans 125-122. to 122, And you heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. Warriors will throw it in. Mannion the catch on the local. Bounce pass to the cutting pool. He'll drive right to the rack. Goes early and scores with 21.4 to go. Stan Van Gundy's going to call a timeout. Warriors back on top, 123 to 122. Now, back to Warriors wrap-up with John Dickinson and Ryan Covey on 95.7 The Game. There was no other way it was going to end, right? Like, you, you knew that the Warriors in that spot were going to design something for Jordan Poole to get the shot. And, and Jordan Poole to go into the basket, which, you know, continues to be, I think, an, an underrated 
part of his game, and uh, he winds up finishing, uh, hit a couple of free throws late. Uh, that gave him 36. He winds up with 38, a new career high, and, and, and the game winner. Warriors needed a stop to salt it away. But uh, there was, it felt like everybody in the gym knew it was going to Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole was still able to get the job done. That's uh, impressive, impressive stuff for him tonight. Yeah, and you texted me right before that possession. You said Jordan Poole about to hit a game winner, uh, and, and he did, uh, taking it to the basket. And when the Warriors had that stretch of you know scoreless play, about four and a half minutes, it was all on the perimeter. They couldn't get anything going to the basket. And what do you know? Pascal gets the tip in, and then Jordan Poole goes to the basket after that. Too many times, you know, when we see the Warriors, things get a little dicey. They don't do that. Uh, they they don't take the ball to the cup, or you know, they don't get some you know some action, some split action, and work something towards the basket. Um, so you know, in a playoff series, uh, you want to you know if, if things get a little dicey, something a little closer to the basket, maybe a good idea. Um, so uh, you know, I think that was a, that was a positive sign. And yeah, I mean, we saw it potentially slipping away again, but. They did just enough down the stretch, so it was a very Warriors-esque win, even though the Pelicans messed around and tried to take it away after looking pretty uh, uninspired for most of the night, shall we say. Yeah, the Cancun Pelicans tonight, I think, especially <laughs> in the first quarter where the Warriors went for 41, 41-32 dubs at the end of the first, 75 in the first half. But, yeah, that 19-point lead uh, went away, but the Warriors, uh, as they were able to do uh, in the game against Utah, they were able to uh, gather themselves in the, in the final uh, minute or two and, and come up with a victory. Let's hear from Steve Kerr uh, following this ball game tonight uh, in the postgame Zoom room, uh, and he discussed uh, Jordan Poole's game and Jordan Poole's development. Well, he was aggressive from the start and uh, had a big first quarter. The game came really easily. Uh, to uh, to us in that first quarter. The ball was moving. We had a ton of assists. And I thought New Orleans um, came back much stronger in the second half, picked up their defense. And uh, so it's great to have Jordan out there because he can make plays against you know, good defense, tight defense. He can get to the rim and like he did on that last play. But he's a shot creator for us. He's he's doing a great job. It's really um, fun to see how far Jordan has come, you know, in his his two years in the league. You can say it, Steve. You can say Cancun Pelicans. I know you wanted to. You kind of he gave, he gave such a politically correct answer there. Like, boy, the Pelicans. They it was just much different in the second half. He, Steve Kerr basically said, "Yeah, they decided to actually try in the second half, so they got back into the game." Yeah, I, I actually kind of like Alexander Walker. Uh, he he's a, uh, a a decent player for sure. But yeah, no, I same thing with Steve Kerr. He's always going to say the politically correct thing. And I think you know Jordan Poole. You you hit on it though, JD. Jordan Poole's ability to create his own shot and get to the basket. Uh, he's just got a quick first step. Um, you know he's he's got a good feel for the defense, and and you could just tell. Like, he looks like a guy that's been soaking up game from 30 at every turn. You could even see, you know, before that last possession, Steph was talking to him. Um, it, you know, if it, it'd be like, I don't know, being around, uh, you know, being around Pablo Picasso every day in an art studio or something. Like, you maybe want to pay attention to the technique, right? And not just the finished product, not just marveling at the, uh, at the greatness and all the things that he can do, but the process, the artistic process. And Jordan Poole gets a front row seat to that every day. And you can say, well, any player that's been ever played with Steph, but it's different because Poole is, you know, they're a very similar size. I mean, they're basically the same height, um, you know, play the same position by and large. Uh, and, and for Jordan Poole, like Steph, Steph's been able to obviously carve out a Hall of Fame career. Like Jordan Poole's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. We all know that. But what Jordan Poole can do 
is be in the NBA for the next decade uh, if if he rounds out some of the other aspects of his game. And clearly he strikes me as a kind of guy that's aware of the fact he's in a really unique situation getting to learn under the tutelage of Steph Curry. And the beautiful part about Steph is he's such a willing teacher too, right? I mean, there's he's got such a level of humility for a player of his status. And I think Steph also knows, like, it behooves Steph to take Jordan Poole under his wing the same way it behooves Draymond to take Wiseman and JTA under his wing because next year you're going to probably need these guys if you want to get back into the uh, championship conversation. So it's one hand washing the other, but Jordan Poole to me looks like a dude that's been spending some time watching Steph Curry uh, you know, apply his trade. Let's hear another one from, from Steve Kerr on, on the scare. As uh, early in the second half, Poole goes down. He uh, tweaks that ankle. It didn't look good. He was able to come back and obviously finish the game. But uh, here's what Steve Kerr had to say about Poole's ankle injury. You always are terrified when somebody goes down with a rolled ankle because you just don't know how bad it is. But fortunately, um, it, it wasn't wasn't too bad. And uh, I was really surprised when he came back in the game. But Drew Yoder told me he was fine and good to go. So there you go. And yeah, I was. I think everybody was surprised. I thought he was done for the night. And, and Sunday was immediately going to be in question. But not only did he come back, he came back and he played well. Yeah, I, I was. It's funny. I was actually uh, in the restroom, and I got a couple of texts from a couple of my, my buddies, and it was, uh oh, and oh, that doesn't look good. And I was like, oh man, what happened? What happened? Run out, hit the rewind. I was like, ooh. But then by the time I fast forwarded back to real time, he was uh, he was already getting ready to go back out there. So I was like, okay, crisis averted. Ah, to be young, John Dickinson, and to be able to bounce back from things like that. If that happened to me, like you know, I'll, you know, get in the mail or something. I don't know. I'd I'd be down for the count for like a month. Uh, but you know, Jordan Poole came right back. <laughs> Yeah, he he got it. Went to the locker room, came back, got it stretched out. Wanted to get back in the game, and uh, that that uh, obviously calms everything down uh, as far as uh, these next basically thirty eight hours until tip off uh, of the the game on Sunday afternoon against the Grizzlies. One more from Steve Kerr, and then we'll hear from Jordan Poole here. Uh, what's next for the Warriors? Steve Kerr laid out what uh, what tomorrow is going to look like as they head towards Sunday. We're going to have a shoot around tomorrow at at eleven o'clock. So we'll go through our game plan for Memphis. It'll be brief. You know, guys will get shots up, and uh, you know, we'll talk about the game, and then we have to come in and test tomorrow night at ten thirty because of the twelve thirty start. It's uh, we'll we'll try to keep it short and sweet tomorrow, and um, and be ready to ready to go on Sunday. So kind of the normal routine, uh, you know, under non-pandemic circumstances, you play a night game, you'd come in the next morning, and, and typically you'd, you'd maybe have a practice. Uh, but, but you know, with everything going on and obviously wanting to make sure this team's rested, uh, you come in, you have a shoot-around. You don't get to have a shoot-around because of the early start for, for Sunday. So you come in, you have a shoot-around, you go over the game plan, you go over everything, you get the blood flowing. And then uh, you call it an afternoon. But, yeah, these afternoon games, and we learned that going back in, in March where uh, Draymond laid it out like, yeah, three times a day, got to test, got to get that one at, in at 11 o'clock or I got to come in at 5 in the morning uh, to get that test. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, it's a different day. But the, it, and it, you know, the, the Pelicans obviously will be flying. Uh, I'm sorry, the Grizzlies. It's so funny. I get the Pelicans and Grizzlies mixed up from time Me to too. time. They seem Me they too. seem very, very similar. Grizzlies are going to fly uh, tomorrow, obviously, out here to the West Coast uh, for, for the early game. But, yeah, so just that that's kind of the layout. Not a full-blown practice or anything, but go through the game plan 
and then uh, you know get everybody up to speed and make sure everybody gets their uh, it passes their their COVID tests. I mean, the health and safety protocols. You know, we haven't talked a lot about it from a day to day standpoint. Every once in a while, things pop up. Boy, you'd you'd sure hate to have something pop up in in a game of that magnitude. Uh, obviously, on Sunday. Yeah, everybody's got to be buttoned up. I mean, in essence, the playoffs begin on Sunday. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Like, that is a massively important game. And, you know, I know we were talking about this a little bit on the pregame, J.D., but look, for Draymond, for Steph, these guys that thirst for that level of competition, you've been waiting for this all year. And, you know, I I know Draymond went on record. The playing tournament doesn't motivate me. I think he was... You know, maybe being a little, uh, I don't know, uh, ironic, sarcastic, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is Draymond Green lives to play meaningful basketball. And this certainly falls under that category. Is it, you know, playing in the NBA Finals against the Cavs? No, but you can't get to the NBA Finals unless you qualify for the playoffs. Can't get to the playoffs right now if you're the Warriors unless you get through the playing tournament. And your best chance in the playing tournament is to take care of the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. So playoffs begin Sunday, period, point blank. Uh, and I know these guys will be up for it. And yeah, it is, you know, it's interesting when, when you lay it out like that, like all the number of tests and just everything these guys have to go through. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate, you know, just simply because we're all facing it. But, you know, especially now with, with vaccinations and but even that with Damian Lee's situation, like even when you are vaccinated, it's, it's obviously not a, a 100% guarantee. So um, I, I understand playing this thing safe for everybody is, is the way to do it. And if that's what it takes for, uh, for these guys to be able to go out and play basketball and entertain us and, and go make their money, so be it. Let's hear a little bit from Jordan Poole tonight as he goes for the career-high 38. Uh, let's start at the end, basically, of this one. Uh, JP asked uh, how it felt that Steve Kerr drew up that final play for him. Uh, man, that's stuff that you dream about as a kid, you know, hitting a game winner, making a game winning shot. And uh, it feels good to have fans back, you know, to feel the energy. And, you know, like I said, this is just stuff that you dream about as a kid. And when you're in the gym shooting by yourself, you're counting down, clocks counting down, you're down by one, whether it's a free throw, a pull up or, you know, a layup, whatever it is. And, you know, it's just uh, it's good for the heart, good for the soul, you know, and it's a pretty fulfilling moment. Can't uh, dwell on it too long, but uh, definitely cherish this a little bit and get back to work tomorrow. And the one thing about Jordan Poole is, I mean, he doesn't shy away from from taking a big shot. And I think that was on display during, you know, his time at Michigan. He hit some big shots for them in, in yeah. college. And, you know, you, you can't make the big shot if you're afraid to take it. And, and he's not afraid to take it. No, and you know what? I'll, I'm just going to go on record, man. I'm, I like Jordan Poole. I, I was high on him coming into the season. Um, he was my adopted dub of the year, uh, the guy that I was really going to look to take a big step and felt like it was coming. Got off to a bit of a rough start um, and then ultimately, you know, wasn't in the rotation, went down to the G League, took his medicine, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that was uh, on some level humbling for him because he is a guy that, that you know, certainly it, it, all guys, it, you know, play better when they're confident. I get that. But Poole seems like that's even more to the extreme for him. Um, but he's certainly a guy that, that believes in himself. He's gotten better. Um, clearly, he's put in the work. And I think, too, J.D., it's pretty clear that he's earned the, the respect and the trust of of Kerr and his teammates around him. And, you know, sometimes that, that can be a little hit or miss with rookies, especially on a veteran team like this. A lot of guys in that locker room got a lot of clout. And so um, Poole's, uh, you know, earned his keep. And, I, I you know, I, the sky's the limit for him, man. I, I do think he's shown us that he can be 
uh, an NBA player, uh, a, you know, an NBA rotational player for, for many years to come. It's just going to be to what level and, you know, <laughs> what's that team going to look like with, with whatever role that he fills. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy for Jordan Poole, and I, I got to say I like his attitude, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Jordan Poole. Yeah, and it's pretty clear that, and this has been true from from the jump. I mean, his teammates have spoken to how hard he works, and you know that's something. Again, I you know we, we talk a lot about you know perception versus reality, and I think at times you know Jordan Poole can kind of come off, and and it's unfair as a guy that you know maybe he you know he comes off like yeah he's cool, he's confident, a little bit of swag, and I think at times that can get miscast for doesn't want to work hard and that you know that couldn't be further from the truth when you talk to coaches and and other players uh th- that are around him all the time so I think it it, it does need to be you know pointed out uh, from from time to time it, you know the fact like look yeah. you know th- we talk about it for Wiggins and I think it's you know it's the opposite thing right like Wiggins comes off as kind of quiet and it's like well he isn't he isn't the alpha and he he you know he doesn't want to be that guy pool it's the opposite right like the, it's all of the things that come with being you know kind of the alpha and being unafraid it's like well that means you're you know too cool to work hard uh-uh not true yeah, and everything we heard coming out of the pandemic was Jordan Poole was in the lab getting stronger, working on his shot. Um, that was all the chatter, you know, coming out of camp, and, you know, from from everything we were hearing about this team. And, and again, it took a little while for it to come to fruition, but uh, it's certainly coming, coming to light at a pretty opportune time of the season. And, you know, here's the other thing, too. Like, when you think of a young player, J.D., like, Clearly had the struggles early, was totally miscast last year, was not ready for prime time. We knew it. It was a, a, a desperate situation for this team. Uh, maybe hurt his development. Goes down to the G League, takes his medicine, understands he's got to take his game to another level, keeps working, keeps working, keeps grinding, comes into this season. Again, you know, the, 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 uh, the outlook is good. It, you know, all the reports are positive. But then, you know, it doesn't find his way into the rotation early in the year. Goes to the G League carries that back, has a really nice stretch, you know, a couple of months ago. But then let's face it, like, he had fallen off again. I mean, we, we talked about it on a lot of these shows, how many games, you know, under 50% from the field and just still looking like he's trying to find his way. Well, he's found it the last couple of, you know, about the last two weeks. Uh, he seemingly certainly got his confidence back, and I, I think you nailed it uh, earlier. It, playing more has just allowed him the ability to, to understand, hey, I can have an off night here, have a couple of, you know, a bad stretch there, and it's not going to cost me my spot because right now they don't really have a choice. So he can ride that wave. And now it's it's almost like he's come out on the other side and has, has found that confidence again. And I'd much rather he's finding his confidence right about now, uh, you know, as opposed to where he was at a couple of weeks ago, because I think we all can agree the Warriors are about to play some pretty important basketball games here in the next week. Yeah, and you know me, I'm reluctant to get too far into next year as it pertains to what guys are doing right now. But uh, I do think it's it's worth playing this cut from Jordan Poole as he was asked about what he thinks his role will be next season you know just be ready to step up for wherever I'm needed uh, obviously the plan is to be at full health next year bringing clay back uh, to an already talented team and you know if that is something that makes us more powerful stronger better team I'm all for it when you know whatever the team needs you know whether it's coming off the bench or whatever the situation is I'll make sure to be ready yeah so there, so there you yes, go sir. right 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 perspective and again look if if he can be a backup basically the curry backup you know, I, I still think they're going to have to add a, a, a legitimate 
backup point guard, even if it's somebody that doesn't necessarily play all the time. Like, I just think you have to have that. Like, you can't, like, Poole could play the position, but you can't, like, you, you have to have somebody that can actually be, like, if Steph goes down and you have to start Jordan Poole, even if that's the way you go, if Steph went down, you still would need a backup point guard. Like, you wouldn't, like, and that, that's not Nico May. So, so you're going to have to have a backup point guard regardless. But I think, you know, if Poole can plug himself into kind of the role that he has now or, a, a you know, an extended version of that role, uh, if he's good enough to do that, that would, would go a long way and it would maybe mean that the Warriors don't – they're, they're going to have to get a backup point guard, but maybe the backup point guard that they get could be uh, a peg – you know, a peg down uh, on the – you know, maybe they don't have to spend as much for that guy, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah, and, and maybe, look, I, I hear you, I, I agree, Nico Mannion not quite ready yet, but we're talking about, at this point, kind of the backup to the backup, and I don't know, you know, a good offseason program for Nico Mannion, and maybe he could be ready to fill that role. I know when the Warriors drafted him, they're hoping that he can fill that role, so, you know, he's yeah. going to get first crack at it. No, I hear you, I know, I, hey, but he's he's got handle, and, and I think he, he sees the floor pretty well. Is he ready to, to be playing, you know, 25 minutes with any regularity if Steph got hurt oh god no that would be a disastrous scenario but it's also not unrealistic to think that a player could get better from year one to year two and certainly that's what they're hoping for Mannion at least he's gotten run this year uh and and look it hasn't it, has Nico Mannion shown that he's he's ready for you know to be a starting point guard in the NBA? No, no, no chance. But what he has shown is he's got some talent, he's got some ability, and and I don't think I'm watching Nico Mannion say, "Oh, that guy can't play in the league." We still don't know, but he also hasn't shown me that he can't play in the league. Yeah, at, at this point, yeah, he hasn't shown you that he can, but he hasn't. Yeah, maybe showing you he can. They, they gotta they gotta get a backup point guard. Like they like they're you're out on Nico Mannion. You're out on Nico Mannion, huh? Well, I'm not out on him, but you can't plan on him. There's nothing like I. I do disagree with the, your opinion on well, if he gets in the uh, gets an offseason pro, like he can't be a backup point guard next year. Like no, no, he can't be a backup. That doesn't mean he can't have a career at some point. I think he can have a career at some point, but he can't be the backup point guard next year. Like you need to go get a veteran, you know, backup point guard. Even if Jordan Poole's going to play the minutes, you still need somebody that's. You still need somebody in between, you know, at at, at that point. Like uh, somebody that actually is a backup point guard. Ish Smith or Ricky Rubio or, you know, whoever it is. You need somebody that actually can be a backup point guard. So, again, yeah, like it gets categorized. Like I don't like it when it – and I'm not coming down your road on this, but I don't like it when it gets – like some people would say, well, J.D., you're not – you're not – you know, you're not in on Jordan Poole. And it's like, well – no, I think Jordan Poole can have a nice career, but when we're talking about, you know, is what he's done to this point, does that mean that he's got a role next year? And and I'm like, no, I don't I really don't think it does. Now, does that mean he it's impo- he can't or he won't for sure? Not necessarily. I'm just saying like I'm not to the point where I go, you know, Jordan Poole's playing 25 minutes next year and he's in the rotation and he's Steph's backup and that's just the way it is. It's like, well, maybe, you know, and I think he's at the point where if he continues to get better, he's got a shot at maybe doing that. Nico Mannion is like a step away from being a step away. Okay, and that and I, I will agree with you on that. Here's what I'm saying though: if you go into next year and we're just let's just talk about pieces in that backcourt, dudes with guard uh, next to their name. You go Steph, Clay, Poole, Kelly Oubre, or a Kelly Oubre level replacement, Damian Lee, 
uh, and then Nico Mannion. That's that's they, you you want you think that it, what get, no no Damian Lee and or Mannion and then bring in a veteran. One of those guys has got to be a backup point guard. Yeah, you're gonna have to like okay. one of those is like gonna a have traditional to be a back- ball handling. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, or yeah, it could be you know it 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 could be a guy that looks to score too. Although I think you're less inclined to need a guy that looks to score because if you're high on pool, like that's if you're saying, high yeah. on pool. But but you still need somebody that can come in and play point guard minutes. Like you still need somebody that can come in and, and run a team. Like whether that guy could score, you know, whether that guy's a score or not. Like I don't want to use the I don't I don't I, I hate this player, so I don't want it to I don't want you to think that I like like but but even if the backup point guard is Isaiah Thomas, like even if it like like I, and I would not want Isaiah Thomas, but even if it's a it's a shoot first guy Right. Like, like that's okay, but you'd be less apt to want a shoot first guy because you like pool. Bet, like I'd rather have pool than Isaiah Thomas, if if right. that makes sense. Like, but yeah. but that does so so that means that the point guard has to be more of the Ricky Rubio type or the Ish Smith type, like somebody that can yeah, just that's come what I'm saying. in yeah. and run a team. Exactly. Yeah, traditional passing point guard because. Pool would be your your scoring point guard, if you will. I mean, that's kind of what his role is. I mean, he and can play. You, he's a combo guard. Yeah, and I think you're probably going to want some flexibility to play pool, you know, at the two also in sure. certain situations. So you you know, if you're going to play him at the two, then that means you would need somebody to play at the one. I mean, Steve Kerr kind of Steve Kerr kind of he kind of uh, you know telegraphed that. Like, I think they're making it work with what they have, but I think in a perfect world, they they'd like to have somebody that's more of a facilitator playing. Uh, with Jordan Poole there, so no, I I just don't I don't think Nico Mannion is that guy. But again, that doesn't mean I think he stinks or isn't you know can't have a career. He's twenty years old for crying right. out loud. I just don't think he has a role on next year's team. That that that's all I'm saying. Yeah, especially if you're trying to win a championship, and I, I will agree with that absolutely. I mean, we 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 are in a hundred percent agreement. Like, if the Dubs are going to be in the championship conversation next year, they need firepower. Veteran firepower on that bench yeah. that they currently don't have. I think, they, regardless of of how we get there, they need a start. And this is with Clay. They need a starting caliber wing that comes off the bench. They need a they need a backup point guard, and that 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 can complement Jordan Poole or play independently of Jordan Poole. And they need a veteran big. Like those three things, they need. Like bottom line. And it gives you insurance with Looney. It gives you insurance with Wiseman. It maybe gives you insurance with Poole. If it's not Ubre, it's maybe somebody that's a better fit than Ubre, which gives you insurance on Wiggins. And if something happens with Clay and he can't come along, you need a guy to be able to step in. I mean, it's really it, it, it's really three spots, and it's three I, I think different positions. Let, let's let's run through here in, in the final two three minutes. Uh, Let's run through the scenarios here quickly. Obviously, the Warriors-Grizzlies Sunday, 1230. We're going to have Warriors live for you at 11. Keep it locked right here on 95.7 The Game. We got you covered all day long, Dubs and Grizzlies. If the Warriors win, they're the eight seed, which means they would take on uh, the seven in the playing tournament. Playing tournament for the Western Conference is Wednesday. Uh, the, the 10-9 game and the 7-8 game are both going to be Wednesday. Uh, the winner of the 7-8 game is in. As the seven seed, uh, obviously the loser of that game will then go on to play the winner of the nine ten game. That game is a week from tonight. Should should it need to be played from the Warriors' point of view, the Eastern Conference will be Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, as far as moving your way up, uh, the six and the seven, Covey, 
It's down to Portland and the Lakers. Portland controls the six. If they win versus Denver on Sunday, they the, then that's it. The Lakers would be seventh regardless. The Lakers need two wins plus a Portland loss uh, at home to Denver. Now, Portland can also move up to fifth if they win and Dallas loses on Sunday. Dallas is at Minnesota. So five, six, and seven are all in play for Portland. The Lakers can only be six or seven, but they need help uh, to be six. There you go. I mean, that's it. And and for the Warriors, you know, obviously still a lot to be decided in the West, but for the Dubs, it's handle your business against the Grizzlies, and then you got two cracks at getting through the playing tournament, whether it's Portland or L.A. on Wednesday. And if that doesn't go your way, then, you know, hopefully at that point you're playing, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the winner of Memphis-San Antonio, and you still got a chance to get to the postseason. Either way, this is great. I, I just love that so much is still going to be decided here in uh, the last two games of the regular season. And I, I love the fact that we're going to be ripping and running, what, 11 a.m. on Sunday, J.D.? We're going to be getting ready for Dubs Grizz? Yeah, 11 a.m., and, and, and we've reached the point of the of the schedule here, and, and I'll run through a couple other quick scenarios. We've reached the point where I don't know where my next day off is. I don't know when my next day off is, Covey. Like, I, I just I don't know. Like, we've reached that point. I miss that from, like, these playoff runs of the past where I just I don't know. Like, because we're going to be doing the final word, and I'm on with Fredell tomorrow morning at you know, 9 to noon, and we're going to be back at 11. We're going to have final word on Monday, and all of the nights where there aren't games, we're going to have final word. Uh, it sounds like... Like the Warriors, if they're in a series, they're going to be playing next Sunday, which means it would just keep going. So we're, we're working our way through this thing. I don't know what it's going to be, but I love it, and, and, and it's a lot of fun, and we're going to have a lot of fun, uh, and, uh, and I'm excited for it uh, here on 95.7. The game is the Warriors uh, try and take this thing as far as they can. Uh, just wrapping up quickly with the top half of the bracket, the Jazz control the one seed now. All they need is a win in Sacramento on, on Sunday. Uh, or if the Suns lose to the Spurs in either of the, the next two games, uh, then the Jazz are the one seed. So that's looking like the way it's going to go. Suns need to win two against the Spurs and have the Jazz lose to the Kings for that to flip. So it looks like the Jazz are going to be one. And we mentioned the Nuggets now control the three seed, but they're in Portland. The Clippers need a win at OKC and Denver to lose in Portland, which could happen if that sure. happens. Clippers and Nuggets would flip flop, uh, and the Clippers would become three. The Nuggets would would still be four. So good stuff, my man. Any any questions? I think I laid all that out. Any questions? No, I'm gonna go uh, check my Venn diagram when we're done here and make sure I'm gonna check my my notes and make sure that I got all that. Um, we're locked in on the Dubs and and mark my words, Clippers aren't even making it to the conference finals. Outside of that, I don't know what the hell is gonna happen. All right, so lock in. Enjoy the day off tomorrow, 11 o'clock, Sunday morning. Breakfast with J.D. and Covey and Warriors Live and the Warriors and the Grizzlies and Warriors Wrap-Up. We just got you covered all day on Sunday. Looking forward to it, brother. You too, man. Bloody Marys, mimosas, eggs Benedict, and uh, final regular season game of the year. Let's do it. Good stuff, J.D. I'll be listening to you and Nick tomorrow, man. All of the above. For Ryan Covey, I'm John Dickinson. Thanks to Sterling. Thanks to uh, Bobby Spang. Thanks to everybody back at our studios. Uh, we're back at 11 on Sunday. Join me with Fridell tomorrow at 9 a.m. And keep it locked. We're your home for Warriors basketball. It's 95-7 the game.